to turn with me to Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 35. We're going to take a road trip this summer. I was upstairs this morning before coming down, and I, had, I put this cumbersome microphone on my ear. It is going to be the death of me one day. If you, if you see something flying out the front of that uh, window up there and it hits the floor down here, you'll know that I just got tired of fooling with it and I just chucked it out the window. But I had put it on, but I had forgotten to put my tie on and it felt real good and I thought, oh my goodness. And I thought, well, you know what? We're taking a road trip. Maybe I can just leave the mic on and just not put my suit and just come down with my shirt. And I thought, no, nah, I better dress up for a road trip today. So uh, I had to take it off, put it back on, put on my tie, put the mic back on. But we're on a road trip this summer with Jesus. And I'm excited about starting this new series, Road Trip with Jesus. Today's sermon title is Seven Miles to Emmaus. Seven Miles to Emmaus. And we're going to look at the scripture passage, Luke 24, starting at verse 13. But on this road trip, just kind of setting up the series a little bit this morning, on this road trip, next week we're going to take a little stop and we're going to gaze at some clouds. Have you ever cloud gazed or gazed at the clouds? And we're going to talk about the ascension of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as I've been studying that already a little bit, I see that there's some practical applications and some lessons that we can learn from just that little account of Christ's ascension up into heaven. So we're going to gaze into the clouds next week. And on our road trip, we're going to take some powerful stops and some powerful delays. One day we're going to delay in an upper room where the Holy Spirit falls upon the believers for the very first time. And then towards the end of our road trip, we're going to have a surprise appearance of Christ again as we're going to see the rapture of the church. I still believe Jesus is coming again. Do you believe that this morning? That's something we can hold on to. Now, I don't want to preach that sermon yet, but we have hope beyond today, don't we? This world is falling apart around us, but Jesus is still coming again, and I still believe in the rapture of the church. And then beyond that, we'll end our road trip with the second coming of Jesus, which is when he comes to rule and reign and brings us back with him forevermore. So I'm excited about taking this road trip. If it'd be all right with you, I might just bring a few snacks up here and sit and, and munch on them while we take this road. No, I won't do that. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise you, would it? <laughs> but let's get started on the road this morning. Let's start up our engines and check our oil gauges, make sure our gas is in our tank, and let's get going on this series today. Seven miles to Emmaus. Let's read a little passage here, starting in verse 13. It says, now behold... Two of, them, uh, that, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and as you are sad? I see a picture here of two men who started on a road trip for the wrong reasons, feeling the wrong way, 
and head it the wrong direction. And have you ever done that in, in your life? Have we ever done that in our life? We have, we have misinterpreted everything that has happened. We're, we're feeling the wrong way. Our hearts are conflicted maybe. And we start heading in a direction that we have no business heading to. They were going seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Why do you say, pastor, they were going the wrong way? Why are you criticizing them this morning? Because they were leaving the fellowship of all the other believers and all the other disciples, and they were going seven miles the other way. Can I tell you, we never do ourselves any good separating ourselves from our family and from our church family. Never, nothing good comes from that. Can I get an amen this morning? There's strength in numbers. God has designed the church to be together. He's designed families to be together. And we never make the right decision when we choose to step away and walk away and remove ourselves from the family God has put us with. But here they are moving in the wrong direction. They're also moving away from Christ. They're moving away from the resurrection story. They have just heard that Jesus has risen again but their hearts were conflicted and they really did not, at this point, they really did not believe. That'll speak to you and I this morning. I believe that we have this written word and we hear it preached and we read it ourselves and many times we know the truth, but sometimes we just don't really, let's be honest, sometimes we just don't really fully believe it. Have you ever been there? We know the promises of God. We know what the teacher in Sunday school taught us last week. We know what we read in our devotional yesterday. And we know that God is speaking to us and we know that we have the truth. But yet, for some reason, sometimes we just don't fail or we, or we do fail to just totally believe and grab hold of it. Their hearts were conflicted. They had heard Christ was risen, but their hearts were broken. They had heard Christ was risen, but their hearts were doubtful. They had heard Christ was risen, but their hearts were devastated. And they found themselves walking on this road, talking to each other, doubting and wondering and questioning everything. These were doubting disciples. These were despondent disciples. I'm painting a gloom, gloomy picture about them right now, but it's going to get a little brighter here in just a moment. So go ahead and pull your sun visor down on your, on your car window. It's going to get better for them and for us. These were not necessarily prominent disciples. What was the other one's name? Can anybody tell me? One was Cloopus or Cleopas. I can't even pronounce it. See, he wasn't very, very popular. The other one was not even mentioned. So we have doubting disciples, despondent disciples, disciples who were focusing on the wrong thing, disciples who were moving in the wrong direction, disciples who were not really very notable. This is not Peter and James and John, the ones that we, we talk about all the time. These were, were just kind of low-key guys. They were focusing on the wrong things. They were moving in the wrong direction. Here's where it gets exciting. Here's where the good news is for you and I. We can say we've been moving in the wrong direction. We can say that we are, sometimes we feel like we're nobody. Sometimes we feel like we're the least of these, but Jesus never thinks that of us. Can I get an amen this morning? Jesus never thinks of us as being less than anybody else. 
And he had died for them. He had risen for them. He died for you. He died for me. And nobody is too small or little for Christ's sake. So the original Greek here in this text suggests that Jesus was walking behind them and he quickened his pace to catch up with them. If I could just tie it to our road trip theme, he put the pedal to the metal. If you ever rode the go-karts at Pigeon Forge and you've put the pedal to the metal, they tell you gas on the right, brake on the left, don't bump the person in front of you. Don't tell me not to bump the person in front of me. <laughs> Especially if it's my son. I love to bump him when we're racing. And I have probably wrecked him a few times, if the truth be known. Had that little flag waved at you, get a warning, you know. But Jesus put the pedal to the metal. He said, I see these two boys. A lot of people don't know who they are. We don't even know who one of them's name is. But Jesus sure knew who they were. And Jesus sure thought they were important. And that's how he feels about you and me. And Jesus put the pedal to the metal. The, the Greek word implies that he quickened his pace. And he said, I'm going to get to where they are so that I can start talking them. That's the whole story of the gospel. That's the whole story of Christ coming, dying, rising again so that he could come to where you and I are. And you say, I've gone the wrong direction. I haven't believed. It doesn't matter if you're hearing the gospel. He is reaching out to you today. That's the good news. Let's read on. So he gets up to them. He wants to know what they're talking about. Look at verse number 18. Then the one whose name was Cloopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? Jesus saw them talking. He saw them reasoning. Some of the translations I've looked at, they might've even been arguing a little bit. Maybe one of them said, well, maybe he is alive. And one of them said, I don't know if he is alive. But he had seen this animated conversation and he said, what things have happened? This is amazing to me because Jesus was the one who they were talking about. This whole story was about him. He knew what they were talking about. He knew better than they what had happened. But you know, it speaks to the fact that he wants us to come to him in trueness and genuineness and to tell us, as the scripture says, to cast all our care upon him because he cares for us. He already knows our need, the Bible says, even before we ask, but he tells us to pray. He, he admonishes us to pray. Why? Because he wants a relationship with us. He wants to be our friend. He wants to be our savior, but also our friend. And I encourage you this morning. Maybe you're facing some new challenges. Maybe you're, you're going down a road you've never gone down before, or maybe it's an old challenge that has reappeared again. But I just want to encourage you as you talk to each other, don't forget to talk to him. Don't forget to talk to him. He wants to hear your heart's cry. He wants to hear your sadness. He wants to hear your frustration. He wants to hear your disappointment. He wants all of your cares and don't think that he ever doesn't. He wants to hear. And it is okay. Can I just preach tenderly today? It is okay, friends, that if you need to pour out your heart to the Lord, it's all right. It's all right to tell him. It's all right to pour out our doubts and our fears and all the internal things that are struggling 
Pour them out. He said, what are you talking about? He said, what things? What things? Let's look and see in the last part of verse 19 what they started to say to him. So they said to him, the things concerning, now they don't know this is Jesus. They were one of his disciples, but their, 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 their unbelief has, has blinded them. Jesus, no doubt, looked quite a bit different after his resurrection as well. So from the spiritual and from the natural, they just didn't realize this was, was Jesus. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. So they're retelling the story of what he just went through. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And indeed, besides this, today is the third day since these things had happened. They had misconstrued who Jesus was. Here they called him a prophet. But can I tell you, he's more than a prophet. He is God. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a strong prophet. He is the son of the living God, the savior of the world. So here it shows that they, they saw the great things that he did, but they fully had not grasped that he was God, God's son. But secondly, they had misinterpreted what he had come to do. They were hoping that he was gonna be a military leader, a political leader. They were seeing him as the one who would free them from the Romans and set up a kingdom again for the Jewish people that, that they would be out of oppression and freedom. They didn't realize that his assignment was much, much grander and that the scope of that was to save all of humanity. They had missed it. And then they said, and furthermore, it's the third day. Why did they say that? Because they probably remembered that Jesus had said, tear this temple down again and in three days I will raise it back up. And they probably thought, you know, we watched him die, we watched him getting beaten and all these things. We saw that he was laid in, in the tomb of, of Joseph of Arimathea and, and the stone was rolled there and, and we're crushed. But furthermore, he said on the third day was when he would rise again. It's the third day. We haven't seen him. Our hope is gone. But I want to remind us this morning that if God has promised us he's going to do something on a certain day, he'll do it. God is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. And the word had prophesied, Jesus himself had prophesied as well, that he would rise again on the third day. And there he stood alive, but yet they did not realize he was right there with them. And I want to preach to us this morning that we may be going through a hard time. You may be going through a hard time, but look with eyes of faith because the risen Christ is right there with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me read on. They said, today is the third day since these things have happened. Verse 22. Then they said, yes. And certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body and they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it 
just as the women had said, but him they did not see. They didn't know. They didn't know. The women come back and say, Jesus has risen, but they're doubting. And it brings us to that question, what happened? What in the world happened? Sometimes in our life, things can be just going, let me use the road trip analogy again. We're on cruise control. You ever been on cruise control? I love being on cruise control and then the vehicle we just got about a year ago, that cruise control, I can just go cruising right up to the back of a big 18-wheeler. And if he's going slower than I am, it'll just adjust itself. I mean, I could sit there and take a nap, eat a burger, whatever. I mean, it's beautiful. They say in about five years, cars are just going to drive us anyway. I don't know. That'd probably be good for me. My insurance rate probably go down. Fewer tickets. Don't get my wife started on that. <laughs> but sometimes in life, we go in cruise control. And, I, and, and then all of a sudden... If we aren't careful, we'll turn around, we'll look in our rear view mirror, we'll look out our windshield, whatever, and we'll realize, oh my goodness, things have changed. Can't life change? Can't life change on a dime sometimes? And we can be cruise control and just life, living life, enjoying life, just going through, everything's good, we get up on Sundays, we're coming to church, we're going to work, we're, you know, just saying, and then boom, and we can ask ourselves, what in the world happened? And I believe that's what happened to these two disciples, Cleopas and his buddy, on the road today. They had been with Jesus. They had seen all these wonderful things. They were on cruise control. They were following him. And they thought he's going to set up his kingdom. Everything's going to be hunky-dory and great. And we're on our way to great things. And then one day, almost like on a dime, they watch him beating, beaten. And they watch him falsely accused. They watch him crucified. They watch him die, breathe his last, cry, it is finished. They see him put into a tomb. And all of a sudden, the world, as they had known it, had changed and they asked themselves, what in the world has happened? And maybe you feel that way today or maybe you can relate to that at some point. But the good news is here's what had happened for them. Look, look with me at verse 25. We're gonna read right here just a small portion of a scripture that really was a sermon and I heard a, a preacher say this week as I was listening to a sermon about this topic, and he said, this was the greatest sermon that was never recorded. Because we see here where Jesus begins to preach to them, but nobody wrote it down. Don't you wish we had a manuscript and an account of the narrative right here that Jesus is about to say? But look at verse 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, you're slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then Jesus, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he began to expound to them in all the scriptures concerning himself. What a beautiful, powerful, timely remarkable sermon that that must have been. I have probably heard thousands maybe of sermons in my very young, very young lifetime. 
That's a joke. <laughs> not too bad, right? 41, that's not too bad. I've probably heard thousands of sermons, but I've never heard a sermon that was preached like this one. When Jesus walked beside of two lonely, despondent, discouraged, devastated disciples who were going in the wrong direction. And all of a sudden he's like, you know what? It's time for me to preach to these old boys. It's time to me to reveal myself to them. And he started back with Moses and he took them through that and he took them through the Psalms and he took them through what the prophet said. And he was preaching about himself. I've never and nor will I ever have I heard a sermon probably quite like that. The greatest sermon, but it wasn't recorded. But he told them, listen, Everything back from Moses on was pointing to me. He told them, boys, look through the Psalms and you're gonna see messianic prophecies all the way through the Psalms. And, and sometimes you can read the Psalm and then all of a sudden it's, you're reading one thing and then boom, it's talking about Christ. And you're like, wow, the Holy Spirit had grabbed that author and just put something right there. You see, the entirety of the Old Testament is a story of Christ. The entirety of the Old Testament is the story that the humanity, depraved and lost and misguided and in sin, fallen. But God is sending Jesus Christ and all of the Old Testament is pointing to him. All of the Old Testament is a foreshadow to him. All of the Old Testament is prophesying him. And there he is on the road with these two disciples. And he's saying, here I am. Here I am. Everything that was prophesied about me, I have now completed it. Here I am. Everything that was spoken about me, here I am because I am the word who was made flesh. Here I am. And he preached to them right there on the road, right where they were. And I want to tell you that if we'll open our ears and open our hearts, he will speak to us right where we may find ourselves. What a great sermon. What an awesome sermon that must have been. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I just kind of getting excited myself here. And no wonder the Bible said after he talked to them and after he preached to them that day, they looked at each other. They said, oh, how our hearts burned within us as he talked to us by the way. Why did their hearts burn within them? Because they had come encounter with the living word. They had come into an encounter with the resurrection and the life, the hope for them and the hope for all mankind. What a beautiful, beautiful story this morning. Sometimes we just get in the car and hope we can go down and get a newspaper bottle of pop and a pack of peanuts. But they went out on their road trip and they found the risen Lord. They found the one from old who was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus came looking and found them. And he told them basically the narrative of the entirety of the Old Testament that all points to this, Christ is our salvation. And finally, here's what I think he kind of told them. If I can just use my own words this morning. I think he kind of said, tell your heart to go ahead and beat again. Now, we were at Carol Allison's last Sunday for dinner, and another good friend of ours the week before that, Miss Charlotte Powell and Calvin, and 
Fourth of July, I'm gonna get a burger up at my father-in-law's when I take Isaac home today, but next Sunday's wide open. <clears throat> but <laughs> I'm just teasing. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> well, what was I even saying? Oh, so <laughs> we were at, so we were at Carol Allison's and uh, <laughs> this isn't on the internet, is it? <laughs> We were at Carol Allison's last Sunday and she was telling us a little story about somebody who had had terrible, terrible health issues and heart issues and the doctors had gone in and done a number of different things and they had gotten to the point where the person was, they felt like, all right, we've, we've brought them along and we've got them to, to where we can get them to and they actually looked at the patient And they said, all right, we've done what we can do. We need you to tell your heart to go ahead and beat again. Isn't that remarkable thought? Said, go ahead and tell your heart. Now we're talking physically to go ahead and beat again. And I listened to that story and it fascinated me. But then as I began to study this lesson this week and and, and read this passage and talked about where the disciples begin to talk to each other and say, boy, didn't our heart just burn within us? And I, I just wanna tell somebody this morning, what you've gone through with and what you're facing and what you're dealing with and your heart broken, your heart is pulled down, but through the eyes of faith this morning and by the power of the Holy Spirit, why don't you tell your heart to beat again? Why don't you say in Jesus' name, let my heart beat Again. That power of the resurrection. Jesus, who had risen from the dead on the third day, now these disciples found themselves beside of this resurrection power. And he was essentially saying to them, tell your heart to beat again. It is the resurrection power. It is the resurrection that is the centrality of our Christian belief. We know that we serve a risen God and a risen Savior. It is the resurrection power that we need fresh and new in our individual lives and in our families' lives, in our churches' lives, and in this world around us. The power of Christ's resurrection. Tell your heart to beat Again, you see, I look around us and I'm about to close, I think. I don't know, I'm feeling a little contrarian wound up this morning. I might just preach till 11 o'clock, I don't know. But we look at our world around us this morning and it just seems like everything is falling apart, doesn't it? And we look at this pandemic and we think, what in the world is going on? Will we ever get back to normal? Will we ever get through this? Will we ever get to have church the way we used to have it? Will our job ever be the same? Will our job be back? Will this ever stop? Then we see the unsettling, the rioting and the protesting and and the injustices in our land and all these things. And it's like 
just pulls our hearts down. It pulls this world down. And we say this world is just falling apart. But I am here today to declare to you that God's resurrection power is still in this world today. And God still has a plan for this world today. And no, this world is not falling apart. But we're on a road trip to the new Jerusalem that John saw coming down. This world is not falling apart. But because he lives, this world one day is going to be put back together greater than we've ever seen before. Our hope is in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to make it. God's church is going to make it and the world is going to be put back together again one day. That is the centrality of the message of the gospel. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's no wonder that they said my heart just burns within me when he talked to us along the way. And so as individuals, I just want to tell us God's power is still at work destroying sin. God's power is still at work creating new lives. God's power is still at work preparing us for Christ's coming. And we too can be raised from the deadness of sin and we can tell our heart through Jesus Christ to live and beat again. Oh, hallelujah. Can we just give the Lord a good hand clap of praise this morning? Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit today. Hallelujah. Tell your heart to beat again. I'm gonna read the lyrics to a little song right here and then we're gonna pray today. Just a little song you may have heard on the radio. Said you're shattered like you've never been before and the life you knew is in a thousand pieces on the floor. And words fall short in times like these when the world drives you to your knees. You think you're never gonna get back to where you used to be. But then the chorus says, tell your heart to beat again. Close your eyes and breathe it in. Let the shadows fall away and step into the light of grace. Yesterday's a closing door and you don't live there anymore. Say goodbye to where you've been and tell your heart to beat again. And it was just like these two disciples, hallelujah, on the road seven miles to Emmaus after Jesus preached to them, after their hearts burned within them, after he broke the bread in front of them and they said, oh, it is he, it is Christ, he is alive. After he revealed himself to them, they told their hearts to beat again. They got up, they cranked up the old 57 Chevy again, turned a U-turn and hightailed it back to Jerusalem where they were supposed to be. And I want to tell us this morning, it's high time that we let the risen Christ come alive in us again and get back to where we ought to be with God and with others. Tell your heart to beat again. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be to his name this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to his name. 
Hallelujah. Just Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit this morning. Glory to God. Tell your heart to beat again. Oh, tell your heart to beat again with the resurrection power of the risen Christ. Oh, glory to his name. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, I feel the spirit of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Hallelujah. Glory. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord this morning. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Hallelujah. Oh, how our hearts burned within us as he spoke to us on the way. And then he broke the bread and their eyes were open and they saw the risen Christ. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Oh, let's pray together this morning. Just let him touch you today. Before we leave this place, just, just let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning. We honor your presence this morning. We bless you this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to your wonderful name. Blessed be your wonderful name. Encourage your people to, today. Lord, somebody maybe that's been despondent and discouraged, lift them up by your power this morning. Somebody that's been doubtful today, Lord, increase their faith, stir up their mind, give them peace, God, and confidence. We're reminded, Lord, of the resurrected Jesus Christ, hallelujah, who is risen, who is risen, who is alive, God, and we just tell our hearts to beat again, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, we tell our hearts to beat again, oh, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah to your name, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> You're going to have to bear with me this morning. I just believe God's trying to encourage somebody today. I just want to tell you, if that's you, you just grab on to him and let him help you. Let him encourage you. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Let him lift you up. I cannot promise you, we got a picture of a road right there. I can't promise you what's down that road. Other than this, I know we have a resurrected Savior who's going to walk with us. So tell your heart to beat again. Hold on to God because he's holding on to you. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Oh, one more time. Can we just lift our hands to God? One more time this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Encourage your people this morning, Lord. Encourage your people.